podcast where we hope to shed light on one of the hardest competitions an athlete will ever face, the matchup against their own mind. I'm Kat, and today I'm sitting down with Ben Greiner. Ben is a former collegiate ice hockey player and current founder and CEO of TAD Health. Ben is also the founder of an organization called The TAD Project. Both of these incredible platforms focus on creating a safe community and navigating the often difficult topic of mental health. Throughout the episode, Ben opens up about the culture of the sport of hockey and also the relationship that many males have with mental health. Ben has given valuable resources and so many tools to so many individuals, friends, and families through these platforms, and we're so grateful to have him on the podcast. With that, let's get right into it. Thank you so much for coming on the Mental Matchup. I am extremely excited to have you on. I have interviewed a female hockey player, but I've yet to interview and have on a male hockey player. So that is something that I'm excited about. But also, I feel like you're involved in the mental health space. You're a mental health advocate and you have a really unique story. Um, so I'm excited to, to have you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've uh, been wanting to to get connected with your organization. Um, I love the the podcast. I've listened to it, um, and yeah, I'm so excited to share about myself and kind of the the my active you know role in the mental health space right now. But just me personally as an athlete, um, so I can get into my background a little bit and and share and, and go from there. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm an athlete through and through. Um, I grew up in Southern California, of all places. Um, and played baseball, football um, from a young age. My parents are, you know, I come from an athletic family, so that's been a you know prominent piece in my life. And I ended up picking up the sport hockey out here, which was you know pretty random considering um, I've been you know from California, but um, you know from a young age pursued it and and really went full full force into hockey and and becoming an athlete and. Um, and ended up moving to the, the Midwest um, at a young age at uh, a boarding school called Chattox St. Mary's, which was, um, you know, really well known for, still is for for hockey players and, you know, made my way into the world of hockey and, and met a lot of, you know, incredible teammates. But, um, you know, that's a little bit about my athletic background and I moved into college and, and then professionally after that. So that's kind of the brief overview of, of where I come from. Um, as an athlete I think it's yeah I think it's interesting that you're from California originally but played hockey so I feel (laughs) like that's like a very it's not hockey I feel like it's not in California I could be wrong but I don't think I. yeah no it it was funny I mean uh, my brother picked it up first um, and you know like a rink a rink opened up close to us here in, um, in Irvine and we just we never looked back so um, definitely found a passion for the sport, um, the speed, the skill, um, competition. So definitely, you know, has carried me, uh, to a lot of places, uh, in the world and, you know, grateful, um, to be part of, part of the sport. At what, what age were you when you ended up moving to the Midwest? And I guess like, I feel like for lack of a better kind of phrase, like really buckling in on hockey 
and like investing in the sport? Yeah, um, from 12, 12 on. So I went to um, a boarding school from six through 12. Um, uh, so from a young, you know, young age, you, you show up and you kind of start to experience uh, life a little bit differently. Hockey was was the main focus. And that's sort of where, you know, those those kind of expectations as an athlete, you start to build, but you're also motivated and inspired by others and guys guys that have done and, and gone on to do great things. So um, I really picked up on a lot of those things, but at the same time, you know, kind of started to internalize that I really wanted to pursue it to the, you know, the fullest extent and, and go play professionally. So I had, um, you know, that dream from early on, early age, um, which kind of led into some other things that I can share um, related to my own, you know, personal mental health journey and kind of moving through that into college and then after. So um, that's kind of the, uh, if you can imagine, you know, being a young, young athlete, going to a school, um, new place and, you know, new friends, but also, you know, incredible, um, you know, small community there. So what's, what's like the hockey environment like, like for, for me who I only watch like NHL games, I grew up in like Northern Virginia where there wasn't much hockey, it seems like it's pretty intense. Um, but like, did it ever feel, and we can wrap in mental health to this too, if it, it applies, but like, did it ever feel really intense? And even though it was your dream, was it almost like a job at the same time in high school or it didn't feel that way? Yeah, that, no, that that's like? a great, great insight. I think um, at that school, especially, I mean, producing NHL players, I mean, the Sidney Crosby, Jonathan Taves, all these guys went to this school. So there is that sense of you're already professional and, and that's like the way you should, you know, you're supposed to act. So I think there was a, a little bit of learning from, from that. You can take some good things in that, but at the same time, I really think about, you know, my, my journey through hockey and kind of how mental health comes, comes into play. It starts with those expectations and kind of personally putting a, um, you know, an all-in focus. This is the only thing I want. And you can start to close down your own environment and, and start to internalize things, right? You're trying to push, you're trying to compete and it becomes a job and less about the enjoyment of the game. Um, and that can kind of, you know, that set me up for, for some of the challenges I had later on, so. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I can't imagine. I feel like there's also like a subconscious pressure going to a school like that where you like look up to these guys right like you're like they are like the masters of the sport and here I am on in on the same ice that they were on you know doing the same thing like can I live up to it why not um so I can't imagine from that end in terms of like mental health and like knowledge of mental health or discussions conversations did you have any kind of whether it was like third party, a family member, a friend, or just like open conversations surrounding anything mental health related in high school at all? Yeah, that's super interesting. I think it was always about performance. It's all about, you know, being your best and like mentally, physically, whatever you could, that was like the edge that you were trying to gain. I think I had, um, we had coaches that would mention you know, being mentally tough, right? You have to be mentally tough. You have to, you know, um, persevere through pain. Like you have to be able to push through that. 
Um, so I, I, I remember some of those themes, but uh, nothing related to really like how you're doing or, or like checking in on yourself. Um, that was never, never really a, a discussion and even sort of the weight of the season or whatever, it was a lot of, um, you know, travel and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, knowing that how that can affect your, your body, your performance, everything was, was definitely a, a learning experience, but mental health specifically wasn't really talked about in, in high school, which is, um, yeah, pretty, I'd say common in, in the, in the hockey world even, and, and just, uh, in general, uh, it's not a, a topic of discussion to show any sort of, you know, um, weakness as, as it's perceived. Um, but now we're starting to understand something different. So, yeah, I feel like the tides are turning, um, thankfully, and it's about time after. So I guess walk us through you're, you're in high school, you're playing hockey. What's like the next step? Like, how are you kind of getting to your dream? Where do you end up going? Yeah. Um, so I kind of had a, I had a unique path. I mean, from the high school, my goals were to, you know, commit to college. I ended up playing a couple years in between something that hockey players do is um, in order to become more or to be more mature as a freshman, they have guys play juniors, which is a space between college and high school. And um, I had a, you know, quite the, the tour of, of different teams and and kind of first experience of being out on my own and not having a you know community supporting community around me really turned pro at that point um and i went through you know my first experience i came off my senior year in high school winning a national championship thought the world was was going to work out in sort of every uh, a certain way and you know learned real quick that um you know things were different and um, I honestly struggled. I had, I had some challenges in, in those years, just kind of not really learning and really trying super hard to, to get to that dream and get to the next step. And um, in my final year, I ended up having a great year, but emotionally was, you know, set on this path of, you know, just everyone else get out of my way. Like I'm going to sort of take that and and uh, you know, it got to me, got me to where I wanted to be, which was a division one school. Um, but at the same time, you know, had sort of a cost of, all right, now this is all I have. This is everything. You know, there's nothing outside of this. I'm going full into, into hockey and, and going to try and play professionally after college. So that was very, you know, what happened to me and, and then setting me up into college. Um, I went into the school there and realized quickly earlier on that, um, they didn't have plans for me as a player. So I, I originally went there because of hockey only, not school, and really, um, you know, wanted to focus on on trying to achieve that. And, and from from almost, you know, I guess halfway through my season of my freshman year, it was, you know, I was being scratched and there was just sort of a, a different trajectory that um, I had re- a really difficult time with. I was, you know, very um, stubborn, you could say. And it started to take a toll on me emotionally and mentally um, into, you know, leading into my sophomore year um, where, where things kind of did get a little bit darker and, and kind of didn't, didn't have a good environment or situation. At any point, like during those few years, like, I guess we can say like the buildup, um, did anyone ever 
like flag anything to you like hey maybe you should talk to someone hey is everything all right or did you kind of keep keep a good face on like what was that like? yeah I'm definitely um good at you know keeping keeping the face but I think also I used it more of like as motivation right people can kind of I think they can mix that up between someone struggling and someone you know motivating themselves through being angry or whatever it may be there's sort of that that piece of thing so it's pretty hard to tell especially in athletics I think we see this all the time um, where you might be struggling internally but it looks like you're just competing or you're you know just trying really hard um, where no one's actually paused and kind of stopped and said like how are you actually doing you know I see you're working so hard I see you're doing all these things but there's no pause or reflection so I think I had a moment um, in I think it was my sophomore year where I was things were going well and the, and the coach um, you know kind of came out to me it was like you know what's going on after me just trying to you know work my way in and kind of get back into things um, and I almost like broke down right in front of them because no one had like actually come up to me or, or even sort of understood that I was I was I was struggling a bit but um, more importantly trying really hard I think I keep bringing that up because um, that was sort of the expectation the internal um, push in my mind to try and you know achieve something meant trying harder when in, when in fact um, you know there's a lot better ways to, to go about it and be productive and and learn from others and that kind of thing so um, with that moment, I ended up having sort of a, I had a moment of, of realization that, you know, I, this environment wasn't good for me. Um, I actually had sort of a, a Kevin Love type moment, um, you know, kind of a breakdown that happened to me. And, you know, I say it because it's super important for other people to hear that um, these type of moments, like these anxiousness or the, the anxiousness that someone might feel um, comes up for people a lot. And, and it's very, very common, but um, it was just kind of a breaking point for me personally. And, you know, I realized that I needed to get out of that situation and luckily had some, some mentors, some support that were really, you know, willing to help me through that um, and, and get through through that moment um, and then transfer to to Hobart and Smith Colleges in upstate New York. So that was my my transition. And, you know, I think I struggled with that, too. Moving from Division One to Division Three didn't sit well with me. Um, and, you know, but at that time it was really about me as a person. And for the first time I started to realize, you know, there's other things out there besides hockey. There's more to life. The minute I got to campus at Hobart, um, you know, guys had other things going on. They were worried about internships. They were, um, pursuing other things, but we were still the best, you know, we were, we were top high end, um, top division three school for hockey. So. I really learned a lot and I'm so grateful every day that those guys embraced me for the first time. I felt that, you know, connection where they understood you could be understood um, basically what, what you've been trying to achieve. Uh, so that was, a, that's a little bit about my, you know, kind of mental health journey um, as not many people know the the full details of me and, but it's, since it's related to, you know, hockey and all my connections there, I've, I've explored that um personally and then gone on to do two other things related to mental health yeah I think like what really stuck out to me is how hard like it's kind of easy from the outside well if so, like I want I want like a good analogy like if you have lung cancer like put down the cigarette 
right? Like you're not going to like, it makes sense when you like say things like that. But if it's like, well, your mental health is deteriorating. This isn't a safe environment for you to be in. And there's no way to create a safe space with this environment. Maybe we should take you out of it. But then when you put in the other, like when you simplify it down and you really distill it, it makes sense, right? It's like, yeah, totally. But then when you put in, well, this has been my dream since I was six, what would six-year-old me think? Well, this has been, you know, my parents are shelling out all this money or there's all these other pressures or, you know, my significant other is here. But like, when you really think about like the, like what you said, like this environment wasn't serving me. Like, I think that's what it comes down to sometimes. It's like, how can we best support ourselves and put ourselves in a position to succeed, whether it be physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever you want to call it. Um, So that like really stood out for me, but it's not easy. Like, which I think is like the key point for people, anyone listening or going through this, like it's easier looking, like I know personal experience like it's way easier looking back being like how did I miss that like how was I like living like this for so long right and Mm -hmm. but when you're in it it seems like it's the hardest thing in the world like it's like pushing a huge boulder up a hill and it's so individual too I think um people kind of miss that and it didn't look like you know, like someone else perceiving that might not see, well, that's, that's not a big deal. Like you, you achieved, you went to division one school, like you just didn't play. So (laughs) you're, you're moving on. Great. You know? So I think there's also the individual nature of things and people are affected differently. Like the build, the buildup for me was related to, you know, not playing and not achieving. So, you know, what does that look like in other contexts? There's so many examples of that but it looks different for that person. And what's traumatic for that person is different than what's traumatic for you or for, for somebody else. So that's such a unique situation because you're around a team, which is why I think there is some, some space for it, especially in athletics, um, to, to become more relevant in the room and kind of in, in an understanding place because you know guys are experiencing that. You're part of a team. They're, not everybody plays every night, but there are guys you know, or if you're the best player, maybe you're dealing with something off the ice. So there is like, there's always this motion and movement that I think uh, it's very individual. So it makes sense to me to to sort of check in and on that environment, like, is it good? Is it working? Um, You know, and is there another space for you to to check in or is there another environment for you? Yeah. And I think it boils down to treating like your teammates as humans and your players as humans and your coaches as humans. Like, I think culture can be, and this is kind of a tangent, but culture is formed, not just based on like what your coaches say or your like core values. Like, I think culture is like the conversations that go on in the locker room, the tone of voice you use with your teammates, or like, you know, if you're, you're saying one thing and then you're turning around and like shitting on someone who you think you should take their spot. Like, I think we all have to get back to understanding that there's more to life than sports. Um, And that like your value isn't driven by whether you step on the field, whether you don't step on the field, whether you're the highest scorer, like highest assister. And my, like, I think that that's where we're trending in terms of like, as a society, placing more emphasis on like seeing the human before the student athlete or the athlete. Um, That's like where I'd love for society to get to. But for anyone who's like younger listening, it's again, like we've been, I mean, even I've had to break through 
and I mean, I go, I talk with my therapist about this, like growing up, it was like, if you got the loudest applause in the ballet recital, like you were the best one, right? Like if you had the most stats, if you had the best accolades, like it was that consistent praise. And that was where you felt validated from versus like just understanding you don't need that outside validation. Like you are more than enough where you are. And I think that has helped me immensely with my mental health. Like whenever I start to worry about anything, I'm like, is that like who I am or is that what I do? Because at the end of the day, like if I were, it's getting dark. If I were to, if I were to pass away tonight, my, my one thing is I would want to be known as like being a kind human, right. And like doing the right thing and trying to help as many people as possible. I wouldn't want to be like, oh, I didn't reach my goal of like, you know, doing this or doing that. Like I want to reach my goal of like, just being like being me and being my truest self. That was very amazing. No, I I, I was, I was thinking is what you do, who you are. I was just, um, you know, thinking about that. And it's such a good point to separate the two and know um, individually you know, there's more to what you're doing, or th- there's more things that that might help you or, or improve your life uh, outside of sports. And then, you know, echoing what where where society is going. I think, you know, we're trying to get there. We're trying to shift into, look, I can be really good at this sport. I can be the best, um, but I can also do this. I can also, you know, help. I can also um, do that. And it's not to stretch people, you know, out and, and, you know, do too much. It's more to understand what else, um, I I like to do. (laughs) I'm, I'm a human, you know, what else is, is out there, uh, besides that. I know I, I got so focused on, on that and at all costs, right. You do anything at all costs. And I think sports in general breeds that because there's like this, I don't know what it, I mean, stigma, I guess, but of, you know, in order to get there, you have to take down everyone in your way. Like, like in order to be the best, you have to be alone at the top. So I think um, that always um, was my frame. And, and I guess I've learned other ways to, to cope or understand more about myself that, that helped, um, you know, kind of grow, grow through that because my last year of playing, I ended up going on and, and playing professionally and, my last year was, you know, the most enjoy, enjoyable time I've ever had playing. And I was thinking, you know, how is this possible? Guys are all at the, at the highest level playing professionally and they're having the time of their life. So there is, you know, that example. And I think um, there's a mix of it, but, you know, you can grow personally and professionally, I think. Yeah, I to your point of like, you don't have to like push people out of your way to get to the top. I have been on this like huge, huge kick of, and when I was at Duke, a lot of the environment, not on, not like on the field and in lacrosse, but in the classroom was like that if I can't do well, if this person does better than me, it was never like a, we can all do well together. And like, what is it like high tides rise all ship? I don't know, something like that. But I'm like, I, if any young person is listening or old or whatever, like I want you to ingrain in your head, like you're light doesn't shine brighter by blowing someone else's out. Like, I think it's so true that we can all kind of hold hands and like go forward together and all be great versus like one person like tearing other people down. Cause I think in the long run, long run, that's like the worst thing you can do. Like, I think relationships and connections are the most important thing. And that's just like a slippery slope to get down. Um, 
I'm like totally taking up your our precious time together though. So no, but 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 to your point, like the you isolate yourself. Like that's my example. Like that's what I did is I isolated myself and it took me, you know, I took people down with me, meaning like I was, you know, pushing people away or or, or you know, closing my own focus off. So I think that's like a message for for athletes in general is like, you know, you're include your teammate, like do your own work, but include people in that is is a really powerful thing, um, sort of separate from, from mental health, but something I really you know, took took with me. So. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back with Ben in a second. I'd like to take a moment to talk about Morgan's message, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Morgan's Message is a nonprofit founded in 2020 to honor Morgan Rogers, who was a beloved daughter, sister, and fiercely loyal friend. Through amplifying stories, resources, and expertise to confront student-athlete mental health, Morgan's Message is building a community by and for athletes and providing a platform for advocacy. Morgan's Message strives to eliminate the stigma surrounding mental health within the student-athlete community and equalize the treatment of physical and mental health in athletics. To help us take a shot at mental health, to support our mission, or to find out more, head to morgansmessage.org or follow along on Instagram at morgansmessage. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I guess we kind of got to it, but you went, you transferred, and then you ended up playing professionally. Yes. Yep. Um, so my goal is always to play uh, professionally and kind of get there. And luckily, got the opportunity after college. Um, but I kind of want to, you know, go back a little bit and kind of into my story related to mental health and and some of the work I've been doing there. Um, at, you know, after that transition period of me switching schools, um, I had a friend and uh, you know best friend still here today. But um, you know the experience of going through that personally and then. Um, you know, I had, you know, he, he was, he was going through some things in his life that, that were really challenging. And I didn't really take too much, you know, I didn't have a, a lot of thoughts about it at the time. Um, but I knew these were bigger things going on in, in, in someone's life. And um, he's a high level athlete, um, full, you know, full ride, um, drafted, that kind of thing that, you know, put that pedal stool, put that expectation up um, and, and, and sort of realized, um, you know, supporting him in a, as a friend, there were, these things were happening that were really, really difficult. And just having myself gone through these things that maybe don't look like difficult on the outside, but, you know, realize that they are, are a struggle. I was able to take some sort of, um, you know, I was, I had some insight on, on what he might be going through and, and, um, you know, through that ended up in, in a mental health crisis moment. And I kind of want to pause here because this is sort of the foundation of what I've been up to um, and kind of my understanding and awareness about mental health crisis moments and take you into the moment a little bit. But, um, you know, I knew these things were happening. Uh, he himself was going through that and he was luckily or he luckily reached out and he texted me out of the blue saying, I'm done. I don't want to live anymore. And in that immediate second as a friend, 
your stomach sinks, you know, when something's real versus something that someone might just say casually, um, you know, those things had been happening. So I knew this was a serious thing. Um, and I was thousands of miles away. So I ended up, um, you know, going to Google and trying to figure out, you know, how do I talk a friend out of suicide? What do I do? Um, I ended up calling the, the suicide hotline, but if you can just picture someone's far away, you have no idea if they're, they're going to be able to get to safety and, you know, you're trying to help them in the moment. And I ended up calling and they asked, you know, they gave me some big, big questions and, you know, you have to make a decision. What do I do? Right. And do I, you know, do I call someone else? Do I text? Do I respond? what's the, you know, what's the plan of action. And um, luckily I made the, made the right decision. I, I called my friend's dad and pushed past our friendship. Uh, you know, you think about a friendship in a, in a moment and, and I had to make a decision to go over his head and, and reach, reach out to his dad. And luckily he was able to, to bring, you know, to come, come to safety. But uh, that entire experience for me, and, you know, breaking that down and the, the lack of awareness for people and what to do is why I founded um, something called the TAD Project and TAD Health. And uh, it's been a, a mission for me to allow people to understand um, what, what resources exist, uh, how to help somebody else, and, and what that means uh, in a moment because we're finding so many people are getting in these situations and they're not, they're not casual, they're built up and, and they're very, um, intense and, you know, you want to help someone out and, and, and potentially save a life. So, um, that's been a little bit of, of kind of that moment I want to share. And, and, and if you're, you know, you know, someone's struggling, the, the biggest thing is getting to professionals and trying to make sure you don't leave that person alone, um, wherever they may be and, and stay connected. And I think one of the reasons why, you know, he's here today is, is I stayed, I stayed with the, the conversations, right. You, you can, go be busy in your life, but you really have to stay with that person, be with that person. And it doesn't mean, you know, being a helicopter or, and kind of, you know, doing it, you know, over texting or, or whatnot, but you're, you're there for them and you're supporting them through um, trying to get a professional. So. Before we, I, I want to talk more about what you're doing like now, but before we do that, I want to go back to what you said about like your friendship and, and kind of like, because I felt this way in the past of like going over their head and being like, yeah. like for anyone listening and I'm going to get on my soapbox here. True friendship is not giving a flying F about what they think about you going and telling someone to get them help. Like you being a friend is getting them that help and knowing that they might hate you. They might hate you for a long time. And you know what? I would rather, I'm going to tear up. I would rather have someone hate me for the rest of my life and then be here and be able to live a life than sit, sit back, not do anything and hope for the best and have them be gone. Like I would rather have a chance to reconnect later and maybe have them work through their stuff, come back and say, you know what? That was the best thing that you could have done. Thank God you did it versus not doing anything. And that's not me sitting here saying that's easy. Like, that's not easy. Like I've had, I mean, I Morgan passed, but I also had a friend who, you know, attempted and like, thank God the person she texted about it, called 911, got, and while they were calling, went and got them, took them to the hospital, like 
did everything they needed to do. And that person was so mad that they did that in the moment, like afterwards. And then, you know, a month later they were like, wow, thank God I actually did text them because I didn't want to do that. And like, I, like, I feel like, especially being younger, like in your teens or in college, it can be really hard to make those decisions because I feel like in this day and age, not many people have like huge friend groups, right? Like it's normally you have like a few, well, at least in my, I'll, I'll just use my experience. In my experience, I had like a close knit group of like four or five people that I relied a lot on and we always had each other's backs. And so if I had lost one of them, that would feel like a huge piece was kind of missing in my life. Um, because there were such value adds, but like, I would rather that huge piece be missing again than them not be here. Um, so I guess yeah. that's, I'll get off my soapbox now, but for anyone listening no, who like might be in a situation, like get them the help they need. They might not ever thank you, but like knowing that they're there to live their life later is like better than I think any thank you you could ever get. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. And, um, you know, my whole experience is, is understanding and, and, you know, my, I myself was caught off guard. I didn't know how to handle a situation like that. And, you know, I made, I made the right decision, but how many people don't, how many people don't even reach out from the beginning? Um, you know, and luckily, you know, we, we had that, uh, that friendship or that safe space. So I think also on the other end, if you are struggling, um, reach out and, and know that it's, um, you know, it's an experience that can be taken, taken care of. It can be, we can be moved through dark places. I think my, my whole story, my journey is to understand that we can get through these, you know, no matter how dark or how alone you may feel, um, you can get through that moment and someone may support you. It may not be a, you know, it might be a scary moment, but you can get through that. So um, I think I want to always echo that message because we do get in these situations in life, you know, life throws us absolute curveballs that nobody, nobody plans for. You're not, you know, emotionally, you know, wherever you are, you're not ready for it. So um, being there to support each other through those moments is, you know, my personal mission, everything that um, I've done and, and kind of what we continue to do is, is related to that because um, yeah, you, having people's back means, you know, also, um, making, making decisions that can help them and, and maybe they don't like it in the moment, but, um, yeah, like you said, we, we want people to be here. Yeah, definitely want people to be here. Um, can you talk more about what you're doing now and kind of like where, where you hope to grow it and, you know, all that good stuff? Yeah. Um, so just to kind of clarify, I'm, I'm the founder of, um, of Tad Health and we are a mental health platform that's kind of built on this foundation of, of the mental health education that I've been working on for the past three years in helping people understand these crisis type moments and what's possible to communicate to someone else um, who might be struggling. And, uh, you know, the foundation of this company is to help, um, you know, make mental health care resources accessible in the environment that people live in. So whether it's school or at work or even on a team, um, you have the ability, you know where to go 
and you can get access to resources. Um, you know, my entire story was that I didn't have access. I didn't really know what to do. Uh, and, you know, neither did my friend, you know, the, the weeks that followed getting connected to a professional. So we're really trying to make things a lot easier and um, really help uh, start to engage, you know, those, those services and, and, and make them possible for people um, rather than all these challenges. If you think about someone who might be in a depressed state, you know, the last thing that they would need is eight different, you know, forms or hurdles that they might have to go through to actually get, you know, the talk to someone or speak to someone. So, um, you know, on a, on a person who's struggling level, it's, it's there for them to connect to those resources, but also on a broader level, it's for the general population to start to move towards a proactive approach about mental health, giving resources in the moment when something traumatic happens or, you know, from the outside sharing with someone who, who, you know, might not say it, but, but might benefit from, from some resources. So it's hopefully a, a high level overview of what we're up to. Um, but, you know, very excited to, to be working with you guys a little bit too. Yeah. So if, if someone listening, like wanted to kind of like check it out, what, what would that look like? What would they kind of find? Where would they go? Yep. Um, so that you could find individually, if you were looking to, um, you know, help somebody else in crisis, you can go to the tadproject.org. Um, and there's a button on there. It's called get help now. And you can click that button and it can walk you through, uh, the steps to take to help somebody else or yourself. So that's there to allow people to understand those crisis resources. Um, there's some, you know, social emotional learning videos related to, helping somebody else uh, and, you know, especially with family and friends um, who may be struggling. There's a lot of stigma. So we want to make the conversations easier when it comes to, to helping somebody. So that's the, you know, the nonprofit side of things. And then we were working with schools um, with, um, you know, internally to help them, um, you know, adopt our service and, and make that easier from a school's perspective. Uh, when you go to reach their services, um, if a school, you know, is taking on our service, they're, they're able to make it easier for, for students to get connected to their resources. Cause right now it's, it's a struggle. There's, you know, buried in web pages. If you search your school or your campus, you know, whether it's, you know, Duke mental health, you know, where, where would I go and how do I get in touch with somebody? So that's, that's what we're doing to make it easier. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, spreading knowledge and educating is, I think, yeah. you know, the way the path forward um which is great yeah um I guess unless is there anything else that you want people to know about you or TAD project or anything like that um no just um we're we're always looking for volunteers obviously it's incredible to work with an organization like Morgan's Message um doing so much in the you know athlete mental health world it's a huge passion of mine so always open for, for people to reach out. Um, you can find me at Ben at the tadproject.org. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to collaborating more with you guys and, um, you know, grateful for ways to grow the understanding education and, and just move it to a, a more open place, um, about mental health and, and actually, you know, personal development, if you look at it like that. Yeah, no, I think it's awesome. And, what you're doing is so needed and I'm very grateful that, you know, 
the TAD project exists. Um, because again, it, it, it needs to be here. Um, with that, I have one closing question for you. And that is if you could give one piece of advice to anyone who's listening, who might be either struggling with their mental health, watching a friend struggle with their mental health, whatever it may be, what would that piece of advice be? Ooh, this is a good one. Um, I would say, you know, when it comes down to it, um, relationships matter the most. Um, your sport, um, your connection to those things are um, not even close to, to the amount of you, you as a person and those people around you. So, you know, whether it's your teammates or wherever, um, those, those relationships really matter. And, and that's what can carry you through these, you know, tough times or, you know, even really good times um, and really, you know, love those. And, and yeah, that, that's what I, what I got. Awesome. Um, well, thank you again for coming on the mental matchup. I'll be sure to like link everything in the show notes, um, but I really appreciate it. Awesome. Appreciate you. Kat. Thank you. Another huge thank you to Ben for coming on and talking about the TAD project and how his platform is helping to create a community and conversation around mental health as well as, you know, the nonprofit piece in creating a community um, and ultimately providing resources and support for, for anyone who is dealing with their mental health. Um, I also just, I know it can be a lot sometimes to even talk about your own personal stories and your own personal experiences and your personal experiences, not necessarily with yourself, but with, you know, in Ben's case, supporting his friend and kind of what he went through. Um, I am just so thankful. And if you want to learn more about his organization, you can check out thetadproject.org or follow along at the Tad Project on Instagram. Another huge thank you to Ben for opening up about the culture of the sport of hockey and also the relationship that many males have with mental health. Another huge thank you to Morgan's Message for presenting the podcast. We would not be here without them. If you want to get in touch, if you want to follow along, you can head to morgansmessage.org or follow on Instagram at morgansmessage. If you want to get in touch with The Mental Matchup or follow, you can head to thementalmatchup.org or you can find us at The Mental Matchup on Instagram. Um, With that, we will see you next episode.